Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Rewind that last phrase. A rewarder of those who seek him. Does God hand out rewards? And if he does, why? And to whom? Jesus often talked about rewards, and throughout the New Testament, we learn about five specific rewards or crowns given to believers for faithful service. For example, the crown of righteousness is for those that finish well and wait with longing for the return of Jesus Christ. What about you? Will you receive a heavenly reward? I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. And behold, I come quickly, says the Lord, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. Hello, this is Brian Davis. Welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. The Bible often speaks of how we can be rewarded on earth. But at the end of this age, each believer in Christ will be eligible to receive five eternal rewards. Ron explores each of them today as he continues his series, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth, and The Return of Jesus Christ. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to hear any of Ron's messages on demand on your schedule. That's our new and improved website, somethinggoodradio.org. And now from Revelation 4 and 5, here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, The Church in Heavenly Worship. And the Bible tells us in a couple of different places, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, even Romans chapter 14, that we as believers in Jesus Christ, we must all, listen to this, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is not a, a day where you can call in sick. Uh, this is not a day where you can say, no, I'm on vacation today, don't, don't, don't want to be there for the judgment, all right? But think of this a little bit like a, a high school graduation. Everybody graduates. Everybody who's there at the judgment seat of Christ gets into heaven, not because of their good works, but because of the work of Jesus on the cross, because of their faith and trust in Him. That's already been determined. But like a high school graduation, some graduate with honors, some just graduate. <laughs> you understand what I'm talking about there? Some, yeah, you got a little laugh? Yeah, some of you do, all right? Some of you graduate just by the hair of your chinny-chin-chin. Chin. But it's still a day of celebration, right? Because you get the diploma in your hands. And that's the way it is with the judgment seat of Christ. If we had time, we could go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul says our works, as we serve the Lord, will be tested and tried to determine whether they... They are gold, silver, and precious stone, or whether they burn up like wood, hay, and stubble. And there may be some surprises on that day. There may be some surprises on that day. Uh, people that you thought were faithful servants of the Lord. Pastors you, you maybe thought were faithful servants of the Lord, but their hearts were not right or whatever. And, and with those laser-like eyes that only uh, the great judge of the earth can see us, um, 
he, he judges those works. And rewards are handed out. These are the golden crowns that the 24 elders wear. They're pictured in chapter 4 as, as having already gone through this believer's day of reward, this judgment seat of Christ. They're now wearing their crowns, okay? So some will be rewarded wonderfully. And, and, and believe me, it's not just the people who are visible on the church platform. Again, maybe there'll be some surprises on that day. It may be the person who faithfully serves over here in a nondescript sort of way, and God rewards that person. Uh, the study of biblical and heavenly rewards is a fascinating one in Scripture. And in a day where, you know, everybody gets a trophy, you know, that sort of goofy stuff, no, some people do and some people don't, even in heaven. Now, heaven will be heaven for anyone who is there by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It'll be more heavenly for some who faithfully served and who received, well, at least one of five crowns, specific crowns that are mentioned in the New Testament. Let me just highlight them real quickly. The first is the crown of life. Uh, this is for those who are faithful in managing the trials and the temptations of life. James chapter 1 and verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Another one is the crown of glory. This is for Christian leaders who serve with humility and with faithfulness. 1 Peter 5, verses 2 through 4 says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples of the flock. Great words for pastors and ministry leaders and deacons and elders and anybody in a leadership position in the church to listen to how we are to lead. But then it goes on to say, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. It's one of those golden crowns worn by the 24 worshiping elders. Next is the crown of rejoicing. This is for those who lead others to faith in Jesus Christ. This is a crown for soul winners in the body of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 19 and 20, Paul talks about his relationship to the Thessalonians. He says, you are our hope, our joy, our crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming. Is it not you? For you are our glory and crown. He saw those that he led to faith in Jesus Christ as his crown of glory in heaven. There's a fourth crown. This is called the crown of righteousness. It's for those that finish well and wait with longing for the return of Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 8 says, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but listen to this, but also to all who have loved His appearing. Are you waiting with a sense of anticipation for the coming of Jesus Christ? Do you love His appearing? Or are you kind of quietly saying, you know, Lord, i got a good thing going on in this earth. Can you just hold off just a little bit? I'm enjoying myself too much. No, there is a crown of righteousness waiting for those who can't wait for Jesus to come back, who love His appearing, and pray, even so, come Lord Jesus. And then last, there's the imperishable crown. And this is for those that exercise spiritual discipline and self-control in the Christian life. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 25 to 27, the Apostle Paul gets very personal. 
And he writes these words. He says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. Remember the Stephanus made of leaves in the Greek games? He's got that in mind here. He says, but we receive an imperishable crown. He goes on to say, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control. An old translation says, I buffet my body and make it my slave. Somebody once says, yeah, I buffet my body too, every day. <laughs> every, yeah, no, that's not, the mind. That's, that's not what's in mind here. No buffet, no, no buffet. He says, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Not that you'd lose your salvation, but Paul feared, having made it to the games, that he might hear the words, you're disqualified. You lose not your salvation, your heavenly reward. That's why on the judgment day of, for believers at the judgment seat of Christ, God hasn't wiped away all tears yet. He does that later. There might be some tears during this time. There might be some people who's, who well up realizing the lost opportunities, uh, the lack of self-discipline to live the Christian life well and to live it successfully, and that heavenly reward slips away from them. Now, do you notice what these 24 elders do with their crowns? Look again at verses 10 and 11. The 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for You created all things, and by Your will they were created and have their being. When they receive their rewards, they, 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 don't, they don't walk around like proud peacocks in heaven with their, their crowns, you know. None of that. No, they take their crowns and they cast them before the throne. And they sing, worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lord God Almighty. It's a powerful scene, powerful scene. We'll return to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones in just a moment. Now, to hear any of Ron's messages on demand, please visit somethinggoodradio.org. And while you're there, use the Library tab at the top of the homepage to find resources that will help you grow in your faith. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Something Good only exists through the faithful prayer and financial support of listeners like you. Today, as you give... We'll give you access to download the complete series you're hearing now, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth, and The Return of Jesus Christ. That's Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth, and The Return of Jesus Christ. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org, that's somethinggoodradio.org, or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456, and you can also call our offices, 757-276-1099. Now here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, The Church in Heavenly Worship. Now in chapter 5, the worship experience just heightens. And I want you to look with me in verse 8 and following. 
says, the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Let me just stop right there. That sounds really mysterious, doesn't it? God has some bowls of incense that represent the prayers of the saints. If that doesn't motivate your prayer life, I don't know what will. God keeps a record of our tears, the Bible says, holds our tears, and he keeps a record of our prayers. And in some kind of mysterious way, heaven obligates itself to the prayers of the saints. Yes, God is sovereign, but he won't do anything but in response to the prayers of his people. And the 24 elders are holding these golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, and they sang a new song. Yeah, there's going to be new music in heaven. I, I hope not every good song has to have been written 400 years ago. No, there's some new music that is wonderful to lead us in times of worship. And there's a new song that is sung in heaven and they say, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many, of many angels, numbering uh, myriads of myriads and thousands and thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped. You know what's happening here? First, the church praises and worships God. The 24 elders cast their crowns before him, and they cry out in a new song, followed by the angels, the four living creatures, which I don't have time to go into today, but the four living creatures, yes, are probably angels, uh, the worship leaders of a larger choir of angels described as thousands upon thousands, myriads upon myriads. In other words, an innumerable number of angels join the chorus of worship in heaven. And then by verse 13, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea joins in in this worship experience. By the way, what do you think of Jesus? What's your opinion of him? Is it formed by people who say, yeah, that Jesus, he was a good moral man and taught some lofty ideals and uh, that's about the extent of it? Or are you listening to what the angels say of Jesus, the angels who know him best? Oh, yeah, when the church worships, worships Jesus, the, the world kind of turns away. But when the angels who have been with him for a lot longer and have proximity to him, they know him like the world doesn't. And they say things about him the world never will. Like you are worthy, Jesus, of honor and glory and power, and wealth, and wisdom, and might, it all belongs to you. Oh, there have been despots and dictators and world leaders that have tried to steal a little bit of that from time to time, and God in His sovereignty allows that for a period of time, but everyone that rises up, He brings down. The only one who is worthy of all honor and glory and wisdom and wealth and power is the lamb who looks like a lion and the lion who looks like a lamb, the one who, as it were, was slain for you and for me.
and the one who is coming again. Ultimately, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea joins in the worship experience. Friends, you and I were created for worship. If you get nothing else from Revelation chapters 4 and 5, just know we were created for worship. We will worship something or someone, and too often in place of the one who alone is worthy of our worship. Last night, we uh, huddled up as a family, and we, we watched a Hollywood movie, one of those on-demand things from our cable company called Concussion. And it's all about that debate in the NFL about uh, the violence of the game and how it relates to head trauma and future neurological problems. If you haven't seen some of this in the news, oh my, the NFL is on their back feet, kind of like the tobacco companies were when people were making the link between smoking cigarettes and, uh, and, and lung cancer. Okay? The tobacco companies denied it for a long time. The NFL is denying the connection here, but there's a pathologist who published his research, and boy, he's just stirring up a hornet's nest in the NFL because some fear that that game may go away one day as parents say, no, I'm not going to let little Johnny, you know, smash heads like a, two rams, you know. You don't know what the impact is one day. I played football in high school. That explains everything, all right? <laughs> explains everything. But in the movie, there's one of the characters who is associated with the NFL, and he's waxing eloquently about the splendor and the majesty and the beauty of the game. And he gets all frothed up and he says, and that day that used to belong to the church now belongs to the NFL. And you know, he's got a point. In some people's world, that's true. We, we, we just can't help worshiping something or someone. Oh, it's not thousands upon thousands and myriads and myriads of angels in the stands. No, it's people like you and me, created in the image of God, who fill stadiums all across this land on the Lord's Day and ascribe worth and glory, gridiron glory to the gods on the playing field there. You say, Pastor, you're overplaying it a little bit. Uh, am I? Am I really overplaying it? Again, we're created for worship. We will worship something or someone. And whether it's a, a team or, or a player or a sport, I mean, some people get so frothed up by their fantasy football team, they sound like the angels in heaven when they're talking about Jesus. It may be a sporting event. It, it, it may be a, an entertainment thing or um, uh, some, some other thing that you enjoy. Worship is when we ascribe worth and glory and honor and praise and wisdom and wealth to the one who alone in this universe is worthy of it, and that's Jesus Christ. But as, 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 as people who are created in the image of God and created to worship Him, if you don't worship Jesus, something else will slip into that space and become the object of your worship. It may not be a football team. 
It may be that person you look at in the mirror and you say, I'm the object of my worship. Friends, let's let Revelation chapters 4 and 5, this vision of the church in heavenly worship, prepare our hearts now for what we will do completely and perfectly in heaven, and that is to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Read again what the church sings. Read what the angels say. Read what every creature under heaven and on earth and in the sea and under the earth will eventually say because the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That day is coming, friends. And as John prays later in the book of Revelation, even so come, Lord Jesus. Amen? What a wonderful picture of what worship will look like on the other side of this world. Pure, unadulterated worship of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Ron, earlier in today's message, you talked about the five eternal rewards, the five crowns that the Lord will give us when he returns. What a day that will be, but God also rewards us while we're on earth. Are the two somehow related? And if so, how? Well, Brian, that's a great question, and the answer is kind of yes and no. They're related in the sense that um, eternal rewards, and specifically the five crowns mentioned in the New Testament, are related to a believer's faithful service to Jesus while here on this earth. But they're unrelated in the sense that I don't want to confuse eternal rewards with uh, temporal blessings, the everyday blessings that God gives to us while we're here on this earth. Now, the five crowns mentioned in the New Testament include the crown of life for those who are faithful in managing the trials and temptations of life, the crown of glory for Christian leaders who serve with humility and faithfulness, the crown of rejoicing for those that lead others to faith in Jesus, the crown of righteousness for those that finish well and wait with longing for the return of Jesus, and another one called the imperishable crown for those that exercise spiritual discipline and self-control in the Christian life. Because self-control is listed among the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, the imperishable crown is probably for those that live the Spirit-filled life consistently well. Now, these five crowns are the only specific rewards, eternal rewards, mentioned in the Bible. And it's worth noting that in eternity, We as believers cast our crowns before the worthy one in a heavenly act of worship. It's also reasonable to assume that God has other ways of rewarding us in eternity. For example, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus ties eternal rewards to acts of righteousness that include giving, praying, and fasting. Uh, So again, and to summarize, God may choose to bless us in this life, but there is a sort of a separate accounting that takes place in eternity where our works will be judged for how pure and faithful they were to Jesus, our works as believers. Uh, This is known as the judgment seat of Christ. And and it's sort of like a high school graduation where everybody graduates and gets a diploma. But some graduate with honors. In this case, all believers in Jesus will enter heaven through the blood and merits of Jesus Christ But some will enter with rewards because of their faithful works of service to him while on this earth. 
That's Dr. Ron Jones with some final thoughts from his message, The Church in Heavenly Worship. Ron, time is running out on us, but before we go, what can you tell us about tomorrow's broadcast when you'll be moving ahead in your series, Mysteries of the Apocalypse? Well, Brian, tomorrow's message is about the four horsemen, and I'm not talking about the famous Notre Dame backfield in the 1920s. Uh, This is the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and it's a fascinating study, a a terrifying one at the same time. Whether you're a student of Bible prophecy or just a Christian who is intrigued by the book of Revelation, tomorrow's message promises to answer many of your questions about these four judgments of God upon the earth. So that's the four horsemen of the apocalypse, And it comes your way tomorrow right here on Something Good. I hope you'll join us. Join us then for Something Good as Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.